right? The biggest channel, let's talk about that. What were the biggest channels that actually got bums on seats for this event? Because it wasn't advertising. No, it definitely wasn't. So we had 200 people attend in the end. And I can tell you that from personal outreach, we actually got 92 people to come out of our 200. And then we had about three to five uh, people Welcome to Inbound Buzz. My name is Moby Sadiq and I'm joined not by Tony, by the lovely Elena. How are you today, Elena? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I always love coming back and speaking to you. It's always a good time. It's nice to be on. Now, of course, Elena's here because she was the lead project manager, or I guess the head organizer of our They Ask You Answer conference, which is probably the biggest, no, it is the biggest event we've ever put on. So in this yeah. event, we, uh, in this episode, we thought we'd talk about all the follies, all the pitfalls, all the wins, all the losses, uh, how much money we made, and, and I guess some advice for anyone else who wants to make money from an event. But before we do that, let's get on to the news buzz, Elena. Amazing. Let's do it. What do we got first? So first we got Elon Musk announces Grok, a rebellious AI with few guardrails. So um, this one's really interesting, right? So Elon, we've spoken about Elon in the past. And funnily enough, I've started reading his like memoir or a book. It's like, it's like this 20-hour book about him. And this guy is just the PR king. Like his whole thing is always just to do something, get some free art, get free PR, get people excited, get people talking. So that's his shtick. That's what he does. So the fact that he's launched this new AI and it's got a rebellious streak in it with a few guardrails, he's obviously done that to get people talking. He's obviously done that for a bit of buzz and PR. And, it, and everything he does, like even Tesla, like they have, you know, games in the car. They have like fart machines in the car. It's all for a bit of fun. Little but, dance as well. Yeah, yeah. So what, what are your thoughts? You see this, what do you think? Very Elon, right? It's very on brand. <laughs> it's very on brand. I I actually want to give it a shot. I want to see like what the line is. Yeah, it's look, it's this is pure Elon, right? This is what he does. He has a bit of fun. He, he likes to stir a bit of crap out in the ether. And I found this interesting from this article where we found this news. Um, Grok is designed to answer questions with a bit of wit and has a rebellious streak. So please don't use it if you hate humor. And it also says it will answer spicy questions that are rejected by most other AI systems, right? Now, this is all good. It's all a bit of fun, but like there's going to be, I don't want to say lawsuits, but there's going to be people who are going to get very offended and upset by this. But I think that's his thing. Like mm. that's his whole thing. Yeah, he's just stirring the pot. But yeah, I feel like there's going to be a lot of legal and ethical implications there. So, I mean, there's one called Claude. So at the conference, actually, we, we spoke about language learning models. And the way it was explained to me, so Christine, who is part of our HubSpot team, is a bit of an AI genius. She explained to me like learning, learning language models are like engines. So you have like a different engine for say Land Cruiser or a four wheel drive versus a sports car. And that's mm -hmm. the, the engine that actually runs the AI. So ChatGPT 3.5 is an engine, uh, GPT-4 is a different engine and theirs is a different engine. Now there's other, platforms out there or there's other LLMs out there that are actually have a very different value proposition. So there's one called Claude and their whole thing is to be safe and a happy place and more human. So it's interesting this guy's gone the other way, but yeah. 
That's very Elon. Uh, mm. But let's move on. So the next one is Humane, which is an AI company. They la- they've launched this thing called an AI pin, which is a screenless, wearable, power, uh, powered device, which is actually powered by OpenAI. So how do I explain this? It's like a, a pin and it doesn't have a screen on it. And it's the size of a matchbox and you put it on your you know, chest or your lapel. It's got a surface area. It's got a camera, a speaker and a microphone. And it has a laser ink display. So if you put your hand out in front of you, Elena, in front of this thing, you could actually see like a bit of a screen that it projects. So the best way I'd explain this, I'm going to show a quick video for anyone watching. And by the way, if you're watching and you want to see Elena's lovely face and me, then you can go to redpandas.com.au forward slash EP149. So I'm going to show a video in a second, but I like to explain it, Elena, like it's a mix between Siri with a camera, a projector and a laser like pointer type of thing but just check this out i don't know if you've seen this yet like check this out casi listos para enviar la versión final we are almost ready to ship the final version great i can't wait thanks so much genial no puedo esperar muchas gracias so what happened there is the ai auto-detected spanish interpreted to English and replied back to Yanir in Spanish with my intonation. How crazy is that? That's crazy. How crazy is that? So if you guys are just listening and just heard the audio version of that, there was two guys. They both had this little matchbox thing called, what is it even called? Like AI assist. Um, AI pin. AI pin. Thank you. They have this AI pin and they're literally talking to each other with a translator. This stuff is pretty amazing. Insane. Makes me think of like all those futuristic movies where they're like touching like the air and like moving things around and like actually auto translate between each other's languages, even though like it's recorded in English. So we're getting there, That's guys. That's what this thing. It's like we said at the conference. Like this stuff is moving faster than we realize, right? Mm. But um, but yeah, it's in America right now. I think it's launching in a few days. Seven hundred dollars US. And I'm probably going to get one when it comes out here. <laughs> but anyway, uh, cool. Um, the next one is, it's not a news. It's not a piece of news, but it's something that uh, refers to some research Facebook did that was released this year. And it's essentially the top 0.1% of advertisers test 11 times more creative than everyone else. So think about this. All the advertisers that are there, the top ones, the best ones, the ones that actually make X factors of, of ROI or multiples on, on what they spend have 11 times more creative, which I think that's pretty amazing. And I don't know about you, but what have you seen with your clients and the amount of creative that you've had with your ads and, and what you guys do? I can definitely see like from the clients that have paid advertising, there's a huge spike as soon as I release the new creatives and then it drops off very slowly. Sometimes, sometimes it drops off really quickly. But when you release new creatives, people are like, what's this? And they get really intrigued by it. It might be the same thing that they've seen before or like this, sorry, the same product or the same client or the same service. Um, But people get intrigued. Everyone wants the new thing, you know, everyone's attention spans uh, the seven second TikToks now. So they just want something new all the time, even if it's the same thing in a different way. Yeah, it's common sense, right? Like that fatigue is really, really real. And when you have a value proposition with different media, different formats, different angles, 
it, it just works so well, which we'll talk about too when we get to our ads. Uh, but what's our final news buzz, Elena, for today? So the final news buzz is how Meta and TikTok are doing ad-free tiers, uh, which will which could impact advertisers' budgets. So in the article that I found, um, I know you mentioned you and Tony brought this up uh, in your earlier with Meta, yeah, with yeah. Meta. Uh, so Meta is uh, essentially doing this in the UK as a launch period, and they're going to be charging. I think for desktop, it's about ten euros, and then for mobile, thirteen euros. Um, and then if you have any linked accounts to Meta, like Facebook and Instagram, an additional six dollars if you don't want to see ads. Now TikTok is also now doing this alongside like Snapchat and a bunch of other services. But do you think it'll actually work? Like for other platforms like YouTube, where you know there's a lot of long term long format videos and like you know subscription platforms like Spotify that obviously works but do you think it'll actually work for socials you know unfortunately I think it will and that's because like on YouTube right I actually for my home account I have the premium version because I'm sick of the ads it's to the point when my kids like will watch anything with ads or if they go to my parents house and they watch something like ads like they hate ads like they just don't get it so there is a lot of there's a cohort of people who just won't pay for ads but it's different though Elena like that's YouTube like there's high quality content there there's like long dwell time video like the video on YouTube is a lot more quality than on Facebook right mm. that's what I'd argue right from an education point of view entertainment that's all subjective but I was saying this to Tony last time like I feel like this is going to piss people off on Facebook even more. Like, I can't believe that I'm getting ads and I have to pay to get rid of them. So I don't know if that's good. And look, I think they will make money because some people just love their platforms. Mm. Now, what's really interesting on TikTok, this is like a little bit of a loophole, even though you're right, TikTok's going to be playing with this. It, is, it says that the subscription appears to only cover ads served by TikToks, not influencer marketing one-offs or campaigns. So if you pay an influencer to do a video, that's not going to be blocked. Right. Right. So the influence of videos are fine. And there's a bit of an ethical question there because like, mm. you know, Charlie D'Amelio, there was a bit of like, she caught a bit of slack for doing paid posts and not telling people or being explicit that they were paid. Yeah. So, yeah. man, that just goes to, we always say this, right? Your paid media strategy is always better when you have a con strong content media strategy, mm. right? Like, and as, as an advertiser, if your content is strong, your paid is going to be really, really strong and vice versa as well. I think that's really interesting. Um, shall we move on to our featured buzz? Yeah, why? this is why you're here, Lena. So how to make money from events. Now, just to kind of set it up for everyone, we just, if you're a listener of the show, you'll know we've been like slamming everyone to register, to check out the show. So obviously it was the They Ask You Answer conference, which was held on October 31st. We flew in Marcus Sheridan, author of the book by the same name. Uh, we had guests from New Zealand, uh, Perth, and even someone from the States actually flew in for it too. Not Marcus, like someone from the States flew in. I would, I probably have a sneaky suspicion they kind of did a business trip as a personal trip type of thing, but <laughs> good for them, right? They're very welcome. So, of course, Elena was the head organizer of that. A lot of sleepless nights, a lot of, I'm sure, wins, losses, cries, shouts, screams, everything. And I, and I thought what we would do today is just share our experience with everyone, like what we would do different, what we would uh, keep, um, the before, during and after. 
So on that note, Lane, let's just talk about the start, right? Like um, talk to us about the importance of preparation, how long we prepared and what we learned that we should have done instead. Oh, so much. Um, let me boil it down because I could talk about this probably all day. Um, I feel like the biggest things that we learned is that the more time you have, the better. Uh, now, we did this event in probably about five months, five, six months, give yeah, or take. Not even six, definitely between five and six. Yeah, yeah, about about five months, let's say. And... We pulled it off. We did a we did a great job. Uh, I did a great job, and then everyone who helped me did a great job. Like I couldn't have done it without my amazing yeah, sh- team. Shout out to the speakers, uh, Tasha, Linda, Marcus, everyone who was there. You're right. Like it did not look like a five month planned event. There was 200 people there. First time we've done it. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, you keep going. Essentially, it, it, we pulled it off. It was a great event. But I don't remember what my butt was. We should have had more time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should have had more time. No, that was there was a lot of unknowns. Um, and that was something that I mentally prepared myself when Tasha first came to me uh, with yourself to tell me about the event. Um, and that was like the first thing I said to myself, like, there's going to be so many unknown unknowns um, and you're going to have to be prepared for that. But there was a lot, a lot yeah. to do. And from- I, I know you've run events, but I don't think you've run an event this big before. No, right? definitely not. So we were all thrown into the deep end, and especially yourself. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we all learned so much, but to succeed so well in our first major event like this, as we did, um, I feel like everyone in the team deserves a round of applause. Now, just for reference sake, uh, 100% agree. Um so when Marcus was down and Bob, who's the CEO of Impact, he's like, look, dude, for an event like this, normally we will take a year to prepare. <laughs> so we had to do it this year. There was reasons why we had to do it this year. Um, you know, we pulled it off, but yeah, a lot more time. I want to touch on project management too. So I know when when Tasha and I were talking about the project management of this, because we were like, okay, and this is actually really important to know because people might be like, okay, do I hire someone? Do I not hire someone? And in the start, we actually, I don't know if you remember this, Lena, but we did hire someone in the start. Mm. She was hired for us some other things too. And we just realized, like it didn't work out for a number of reasons, but we realized there wasn't enough work for her in the start. Mm. So it's really, it's really hard, right? Because in the start, there's not that much work, but as you kind of get closer, there's a lot of work. But on that note, I think it's really, really important when you pick someone to be the project manager, i.e. yourself, uh, and Tasha and I had good conversations about this, it has to be someone who is really good with details, who's really organized, uh, which is someone like you, right? (laughs) So so that was obviously done on purpose. Now, you wouldn't use, let's be honest, you wouldn't use someone like me. (laughs) You wouldn't. You wouldn't use like the IDs person, let's do this thing, try those five things that a person, three of those stick. You wouldn't use someone like me. I'm not as organized. Like... more visionary, more ideas, but I'm not going to get, I'm going to miss a lot of things. So I think it's really, really important. And you, I, you know, if you don't say this, I will, it's hard to be like, yeah, pick someone like me, but it's really important. You have someone who's very good at details and very good at operational things, um, which is why, you know, it was really good that you you were the person for, for the job. Yeah. And I'm glad I got to do it. And I have so many learnings for next time we do this event. Like a lot of the things I would have done way earlier um, because 
that those last couple of months would have been crucial for other things like keynotes and preparation and stuff like that. Like a lot of the logistic things that maybe when we looked at hiring someone else, um, if they weren't experienced in events, they wouldn't have thought to do those things so early on. Even I wouldn't have thought to do those things so early on until it came to the point where I was like, okay, we we have to cut this off. We need to send this in right now and be done with it yeah. and move on to the next thing. You have thing. to be a bit aggressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you had to like at some point like, look, maybe I don't care if you're proving this or not. This has to go. Yeah. So you definitely need that driver. Um, now, before we get into, I know I'm, we're definitely going to get into the money. We're going to be very transparent exactly how much we paid, what we made, all that stuff. But before we get into that really sexy stuff, I want to talk about like the operations a little bit more. So we met probably fortnightly for the first three months or first two, three months. Yeah. And then we moved to weekly. Yeah. And I think that was really important. So someone like yourself could actually have the decision makers in a room, have things organized, get things made. Mm. Um, I don't know if you want to add to that, but I think that fortnightly cadence and then every week for the last three or four months is key, is absolutely vital. Yeah. I feel like you also need in that room, you need some visionary creative people like yourself and you need people who are going to rail you in as well because then there's that balance of like, be had goals of like everything we want to achieve but then there's someone who realistically is like okay this is what we actually can achieve i can give you maybe push for the 10 percent extra but i cannot give you everything that is on your list there yeah 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 100 percent. and some discussions like they were robust discussions right <laughs> you need that you need that uh i want to briefly briefly talk about the venue because i think it's one of those things that sometimes I don't say it's overlooked because everyone obviously thinks about the venue, but we opted not for the traditional city. Uh, I don't know what city and country you guys are listening from, but like in Australia, the, the conference room in the city, we opted for something a little bit different. Yeah, I feel like I spoke to like a lot of people um, even outside of work um, who've done events before or like talk about events, been to events and everyone says like events in Sydney at least are always in the city and when we came together to discuss as a group we just we had a feeling that it would be better um, especially for our target audience uh, to be somewhere that is more easily accessible um, and generally more beautiful just to have a relaxing day um, especially in the breaks and even when viewing the venues, like I think I viewed about s between seven to 10 venues, even after looking at them, yes, the internally the venues are beautiful, but even thinking about like, how are people going to get parking? How are people going to come here? Like, do I really, do we really want people to hassle around with things? Yeah. If they want to get out, get some air, like, are they going to mm. feel trapped? So for reference, our one was at Bicentennial Park, which uh, is in Sydney Olympic Park. So very beautiful place, picturesque, you know, rolling hills, uh, not creeks, but like little rivers or what do you call it? Not a river. Lakes. Lakes, lakes, lakes. right? It's very picturesque, really beautiful. So, and this is the thing too, we, Elena touched on this, like the, um, the target audience. So we actually weren't going, we had a couple of corporates there for sure, but that wasn't our raw audience. That wasn't mm. our key audience. We're going after like... Uh, you know, small, medium enterprise, large, inter like larger businesses, tradies, actually like financially well-off businesses, but not necessarily corporate, 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 you yeah. know? So we know they'd like to drive. We know they like to get around. We know they all have cars. 
So, you know, that played in our favor as well. Um, the last thing I want to mention just briefly before we move on, we thought about like this as well. I feel like the one-day event compared to a two-day event, a two-day event is like exponentially more difficult compared to a one-day event because ours was like 8.30 or 9 o'clock to, you know, 4 or 5. Whereas if it's a two-day event, you've got to think about flights and accommodation and then people just have such a bigger barrier and hurdle especially mm. if they're flying in. So I feel like that one day event is for a business our size and for your first big one, I think is spot on. Uh, but cool. I want to get to the media. So there's a lot of preparation. This, these are things we've learned as we went on, like what you actually need in terms of material in the lead up. We're still talking about lead up now, by the way, guys, in the lead up to prepare. So I think we called it our media kit, but what did we have in our media kit that was useful? Uh, our media kit, I feel like there was so much in there, but essentially like email signatures, speaker for tiles. For staff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for, the, for our staff. So like anyone who's client facing or even, you know. Anyone, everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone who was within the team had an email signature that was linking out to their event to make sure that people, even if we're not talking to them about the event, you know, it goes into that consideration stage because a lot of people don't realize, but like even banners on like the side of walls, like sometimes that goes into the consideration stage um, of people. So email points. signatures, uh, touch points, speaker tiles, uh, Microsoft team backgrounds, um, social media templates. There's a whole works yeah, so that I could list out. Like all these things add up, right? So, you know, where, I don't know, maybe like a close to 20 person agency now. So yeah. think of like every single email. So in the last three months or so, every single email someone sent, it had that there. It was just smashing it. Um, the social media tiles were for speakers, for our socials. Uh, and the thing is we had to have a big suite because they get stale. Yeah. So th there's a lot that goes into that. So definitely think, so the media kit isn't for external media. It's for your own media and all mm. your templates and all your touch points. And I think that's, if you're a big corporate, I'd say even do screensavers. Because they'll yeah. have the same screensavers or wallpapers or backgrounds. Um, cool. Let's get on to advertising. So this is like one I got a lot of questions about from friends and colleagues and people in marketing, like how much did you actually spend? So I will say, just spoiler alert, the advertising definitely wasn't the biggest thing, mm. right? The biggest channel, let's talk about that. What were the biggest channels that actually got bums on seats for this event? Because it wasn't advertising. No, it definitely wasn't. So... I don't know if we actually ended up mentioning when we started this, we had 200 people attend in the end. And I can tell you that from personal outreach, we actually got 92 people to come out of our 200. And then we had about three to five uh, people, maybe a little more, that's just ballpark numbers. Sign up from actually our pre-event EDMs. I actually think, I remember seeing that. I actually think it's more than that. It I, might be more I, than I honestly that. believe it's more than that because like it doesn't account for second touch attribution. So mm. the emails, I, I agree with you. The emails, the database is so important, right? Now, a lot of this stuff happens before. It happens, see, you know, the, the ability for you to fill event happens six months, 12 months, even two years before because we work hard on our database. Hmm. We send an email every second week. Um, we like we're always, you know, sending stuff out. We always got lead magnets and stuff trying to grow our database. So that was really important. So I know it was attributed maybe four or five, whatever it was, but I think it's a lot more than that because it doesn't account for when they actually then go direct. 
so-called direct or mm. they see an ad. But I, I agree with you there 100%. It was the personal outreach that we did as a team. And that's the thing too. We collectively said, reach out to your customers, reach out to your network. Um, so we do a lot of small projects, reach out to them, send one-to-one videos. Um, but yeah, you're right. That that was the bulk. And even that didn't like even cost us, us personally posting on LinkedIn, like, you know, sharing that we're going through this event planning and like all the things that we're doing and, you know, the agenda for it, you know, just sharing with people, just spreading the word of mouth. That That is really the bulk of it. Yeah, 100%. I really like to say if you have a LinkedIn, well, firstly, if you're in business, uh, any high consideration industry and definitely B2B, you've got to be on LinkedIn. Absolutely. But one of the pieces of advice that uh, Bob gave me, CEO of Impact again, was like, and he literally gave me a script. It was something like, hey, we're running a very, very short. We're running a sales and marketing conference that I think would be great for you. Do you want me to send you information and a promo code? Very, very simple. And I literally copied and pasted that and I sent that to 40, 50, 60. I can't even remember now, maybe close to 100 people. And people came back and they said, yeah, sure. And then I'd give them a special promo code for them so they felt special. And then a lot of us, we did a lot of Loom videos too. Yeah. So people in our database who had, and this is really important. So who do you hit? I think I think we hit, in some cases it got really vague, right? It got really, it's hard to remember. But anyone we actually had a sales conversation with over the last number of years, if anyone we've ever spoken to, and I don't think we hit everyone, but anyone we've spoken to, anyone we had an open deal with, send them a one-to-one video. Hey, I want to give you this. I think this would be great for you and great for your business. And I want to help you out, give you a, a discount code. So there's a lot of discount codes. There's a lot of flash sales, uh, but all that stuff works. Definitely. Definitely. I feel like we got a lot more value out of that than our paid media advertising so on that note so linkedin funnily enough like i thought linkedin was going to do better lena because linkedin we had speaking of creative we had so much creative like the most creative we actually had was on linkedin linkedin just to give you guys the numbers we got 12 attendees uh the media spend so if you look at the um cost per attendee excluding time 700 dollars the cpa so to get 12 people there cost us $700 per person to get someone there from LinkedIn. Now, if you include, because I know what people might be thinking, but oh, what if I have to pay an agency or what if I have, now obviously we did that ourselves, but if you had to pay an agency or you had to pay someone, if you factor in the time cost, so the labor cost, it was closer to $991. So pretty much to get each person from LinkedIn, it cost us $1,000 to get them there. Yeah. Now, if they convert, great. But that you could say that about anything, right? If they convert, yeah, great, right? But um, that's pretty expensive. So would we do it again? I think we would do remarketing on every channel mm. that we did. But I don't know if we would use this outreach because that was really, really expensive. Yeah. And actually, you said 12 attendees. I believe it was actually 12 conversions. And I don't believe that every one of those ended up attending. Right. That true. Okay. So 12 people registered or bought tickets, Mm. but not everyone. Yeah. Now the tickets themselves, the most expensive tickets were, and we'll touch on this very briefly, the pricing strategy. We teared up. So we had like $200 tickets. Then after three, four weeks went up, $100 went up. And the final price was $500 or $600, $599. So even at that high end, it still doesn't, the ticket price still doesn't cover yeah, you know, no. that attendee. 
Facebook was a little bit better. Um, same amount of purchases actually, so close to 13. And the CPA was $172. That's a drastic difference. The big difference. And I actually didn't think Facebook would do as well. I really didn't because there's so many bro agencies on Facebook, like like these guys who just started yesterday in their, their room. Now, I can't hate on them because I guess I started like that too. <laughs> but there's so many of those bro agencies um, that I'm like, it's not going to work. But it actually worked better than LinkedIn. Facebook keeps surprising me. I feel uh, like Facebook for me is still an underdog. I feel like it keeps yeah. in my mind going dead, but the ads for it that I'm seeing across all my clients are still doing the best on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's still there. That dog still is not dying. It is still there. The amount of times we smash it, it is still there. Uh, Google. So Google, we spent three grand. We had, um, how many did we have? I think we had five event, two purchases, seven contacts. So if you add all of that, 10, 11, 12, nine yeah about 14 hmm. right so you know whatever that cpa is there so yeah not bad but definitely we'd probably spend a lot less in future more hmm. on the remarketing side um now i think we'll just a couple of uh things here and then we'll end it for today the last few things i want to talk about is what we did at the event we made sure that every single talk had a call to action so every single talk had a qr code so the sales one, I don't have the data for the other QR codes, but I know for the sales one that I did, we had uh, 59 scans of the QR code out of 200 people there. So it was like roughly like, and if you exclude all the staff and whatnot, a 35% completion rate, which is really good because sales actually was only a small part of people that were there. Maybe 30% of people that were there were from sales, like sales only departments. And 35% of people actually scanned that sales assessment. Now, how many completed? I don't yet know, but that's pretty good. Um, with the AI talk, Linda gave away her favorite AI prompts and plugins. Tasha linked to a customer journey map. But the point is every single talk had something that was a next step, which it's really simple when we say it, Elena, but how many events do you go to? They just do a talk and that's it. And you're like, so yeah. how, do I, how do I implement this? Or they'll be this? like, call me if you want to buy my stuff. But that's a hard call to action. You need to have a soft call to action as mm. well. Um, anything on that before we move on to the last thing I want to talk about here? No, I think you've covered that. The final thing is like the post stuff, right? So one of the things you're still involved in, Elena, is like the six-week or the six-part challenge. So tell yep. everyone what that is and what that looks like. So essentially it's bringing all the talks and the keynotes that happened on the day and all the learnings that everyone got out of them and actually turning them into an actionable challenge for the attendees. So keeping them warm, keeping them engaged, actually giving them um, good content for them to actually start implementing what they've learned. Because a lot of the, how many times have you walked away from an event and then like nothing? Yeah, Like, right. And then you're like, you're oh, excited. that was a fun event. Yeah. And then like you move on with your life. But a six-part challenge or whatever kind of challenge after an event. You obviously went to Tony Roberts. He had a challenge after his event as well. That Tony keeps Roberts, yeah. that keeps yourself or you know whatever the event is on their mind, and they're still engaging in it. It keeps Maybe, the momentum going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and hundred percent, we stole that from Tony Robbins. <laughs> the, like the, even the music playlist. So like the pre uh, playlist, the playlist during the breaks. Even the fact that before every talk, after a break, we had a countdown 
all of that stuff was stolen from Tony Robbins because that stuff works, right? It really, it really, does. really works. So the challenge is literally something that they had. And part of the challenge, and also too, in a talk, there's only so much you can give. So the idea was, hey, you know, remember that talk? He's something else. He's another thing that we yeah. couldn't share. And also the final thing I'll say on that is we're actually part of that challenge. We're going to be promoting our next event, which is a webinar. It's not going to be a big thing, mm. but it's just to keep that conversation going because that's what these things are. Yeah, just momentum. Cool. So let's talk about the money, right? It's so funny when you're like doing the budget, like, oh, uh, Moby, like, you know, be seated in your chair. Don't freak out. <laughs> and it's like, trust me, it's all good. I know this stuff is expensive. But like really, like we're going to get really transparent with you guys. We spent uh, 54000 or maybe a little bit more than 54000 Was it 55000 Yeah, so in total, we spent 55000 and and two. Cool. So say about 55000 right? Uh, the event, so the ticket sales, by the way, don't cover the costs. Like they seldom do, unless you're selling like one, $2,000 tickets for a day event. And remember, this is supposed to, it's designed to get people educated on things, but it's also designed, let's be honest, like for people who we are right fit for to get sales out of. So you're going to be doing a lot of discounting to get people through. So the tickets most likely won't cover. Um, the ticket sales were about 17,534. Uh, so, you know, 17 and a half. And the total loss, quote unquote loss, is $37,000 or $38,000. Now, it's funny when you were like, oh, maybe like it's, you know, uh, I, were you freaking out a little bit? Like, like how much money we've lo- quote unquote lost from this? Yeah, I, I was feel like, like you I, don't, I don't really want to tell you how much this actually ended up costing out. us. <laughs> now, here's the thing. And I was speaking to our friends at Impact. From events, it takes time. It can take three, six, nine months. It can take a long time. And that's why it's so important to continue that conversation. That's why, you know, like me and Elena were talking about the six-week challenge, sending them to another event. All these things are really important because people aren't going to convert right away. So that's one thing. The second thing is when you talk about ROI, there's ROI in more places just the ROI. Now, I actually do believe we'll get all of that back. I actually do in new business. But even if you park that, the existing customers, I think, uh, what percent? Was it 20, 30% were existing customers? What would you say? Maybe 20, I don't think 20, 30, but. Yeah, definitely not 30. About 20, 25%. About 20, 20, 25. There is ROI in reminding them how awesome you are, mm. right? Like when you're in services business, when you're in any service business, there's always someone who is like, and I always give this analogy, right? Where we're kind of like that face, that faithful wife, right? We've always been there. And we've always been there for them. We've been by their side. And this, you know, pretty new young thing comes along. It's like, hey, check me out, right? Like, that's what our competitors (laughs) are doing to us. Always, right? We're that faithful wife. Now, this type of stuff reminds them like, hey, we're still hot. We're still, we've still got it. We're still awesome. Remember why you fell in love with us. So there is a big ROI in reminding those customers why you are, who you are, and the fact that you're just so awesome. So, so there's that. But I think too, another thing as well, and we're talking about this before the show, and I didn't really think about this until recently. There's ROI in the team, bringing the team together, right? Like talk to me about your experience, what you saw with like, because we, we have a lot of international guests, uh, international employees we flew in for this. There's ROI in getting everyone banded together in one place. It's team building, like uh, something that we didn't do the best at this event, which we've transparently talked about in our business, is we didn't assign anyone roles, but we have such a psych safe 
team culture and such a drive and passion within our team that whenever anything needed to be done, someone stepped up and just did the job. Everyone got something done. Everyone, you know, contributed in a way. Someone ended up standing at the door, opening the door for people. Someone ended up handing out name tags. Ushering. Ushering. A whole bunch of things. Did anyone get assigned those roles? No, but that is in itself a team building exercise. And on top of that, not only is it team building in the way of how we all came together, everyone's in and out listening to the talks. They're learning themselves. Like not everything that um, they do at Red Pandas is teaching them the things that we talked about and the keynotes talked about. So they're learning and have education from that on top of that. It's, It's also reminding people of the vision, you know, beforehand, we briefed everyone. It's like, hey, look, try not to conglomerate too much with each other. Like, let's not make too many red panda huddles. Uh, obviously, it happens from time to time, but have conversations with people. Ask them, hey, what did you learn? What's going to be your biggest challenge implementing this? Or, you know, what did you think? Like, it was a very loose brief because not everyone's in sales or customer facing. But the idea was, guys, get out there and have conversations with people. And in a way, it, got, it reminded everyone of the vision of the business and why we're here and what we're trying to do. So for me, like there's ROI in that. There's ROI in, you know, you pulling off such a great event and building that that mental callus of, you know, achievement. Like, hey, I can do this. I've this biggest event I've done. There's, that, there's, there's ROI in there. There's ROI in like, you know, Linda and Tasha, probably the biggest talks that they've ever done, the most stressful talks that they've ever done at the business that they work for. There's ROI in pulling that off. Like, hey, I can do this. I can do this again. And that confidence carries over in their job. You know what I mean? Like me as well. Like I had to do two. I had business partner meetings. I had all these stuff that I had to handle. There's ROI in the fact that we can do whatever we really put our minds to and band together as a team. Definitely. So will we make money out of this? Yes. Is it going to take time? Absolutely. You've got to continue the conversation. But think about all the other things and content you can create, which we haven't, you know, which we won't get time to talk about today. But there's a lot there. So much. So much. Ongoing. All the learnings, all the return on investment. (laughs) On that note, I know we've run a bit over, but Elena, thank you so much for your time. It was so good to hear your perspective. Uh, Again, once again, congratulations on pulling off such a great event for putting up with my silly and stupid ideas sometimes uh, and, you know, appreciate everything you do. Well, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to handle the event and I had a blast. I'm still writing that high of doing that event. It was a great experience. So do you want again another five months or? Yeah, I'm, I'm done. Another five months? No, not five <laughs> months. No. Give me a year, give me a year. <laughs> awesome, guys. On that note, I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Please leave a, a like, a comment, uh, rate us if you're on iTunes and we'll join you again for another episode of Inbound Buzz. See ya. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.